Welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, where we have engaging conversations about software development and cloud engineering with industry leaders and subject matter experts. These episodes are created by the Great Lakes Tech Leaders, an online community of technology practitioners. Please come join the conversation by visiting gltl.rbn.ai. Again, that's gltl.rbn.ai. Now strap in, because we're deploying to production in three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lunch with Tech Leaders, episode 23. Happy New Year to all our listeners. Uh, we're happy to kick it off, get started again. Very excited today to talk about DevOps team topologies, topologies with my, uh, my co-host, Tom Kowalski. How's it going, Tom? Going great. Uh, yes, episode 23, uh, DevOps team topologies, another title, you know, kind of triggering to me. You, you know that, Adam, how I feel about uh, putting team or engineer around DevOps, but you know, we, uh, here yeah, we are, yeah, and we're here yeah, to talk about yeah. it. So. Um, yeah, it, it, we, the title should have been, if you have a DevOps team, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I, I uh, looked back, so I'm like, I know I have like a tweet or something, and yes, it's, it's something along those lines. It was something like, uh, if yeah, if you have DevOps teams or engineer, you're probably not doing DevOps or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah that's that's how I feel about it. But yeah, yeah I think at this point you're you're like fighting a war that's already been lost. Yes. In terms of, you know, yes. So I, I think we just have to yeah. Um, it's serverless is becoming, but that's that's for next week. So. Um, so I've got our uh, some some guests here with us today, uh, recurring repeat subject matter experts, uh, Jordan DeBeer from Google. Say hi, Jordan. Hey there. Yeah, I probably shouldn't wave. Um, I don't think anyone can see if they're listening. But I, I waved anyways, just so everyone knows. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Really happy to be here. And uh, the great Kyle Robertson from GitHub, site reliability, reliability engineer extraordinaire. That's a mouthful. Uh, greetings. Uh, don't expect that much from me. <laughs> Seems like you're maybe having a little trouble getting into the groove uh, in 2023, Kyle. Uh, new year, new me. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, like I said, let's kick it off. You know, um, last time we met with these guys, we talked about um, SLIs, SLOs, SLAs, a bunch of acronyms. I have no idea what they mean. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it was a me great either. conversation to kick off our SRE series. And um, so we thought this would be a, a good next step to talk about team topologies. Um, Jordan posted a great article um, from web.devopstopologies.com, which really um, cleanly breaks down DevOps teams, uh, anti-patterns versus, you know, uh, good patterns versus bad. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, Tom, I know you got thoughts on things. So why don't you just kick us off with something controversial? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start <laughs> off. So I, I'm a, a big fan of uh, of the book, most of it that, you know, so it was, um, what are the names? Like Matthew, I have it here, Matthew Skelton and uh, Manuel Pace. I don't know. To, I'm sorry. don't know how to pronounce it. But yeah, I uh, followed the work back when it was a blog, before it was a book. And then, the, you know, they came out with the book, Team Topologies. I really like it, what they have in there. I didn't finish it because some of the things were a little triggering to me. Um, they kind of just, 
they they didn't really you know hammer in and you know say yes this is right or this is wrong They're, they made it very fluffy like yeah you can do that and you know that kind of said some things like you know it's it's they kind of gave ratings for things of how you should do it but there's a lot of really good pieces in that book and i'm i'm bummed i wanted to go back and re/finish reading it uh, but i didn't get a chance to i did review it so i am i'm excited to uh, to talk about it yeah it seems like as long as there's it seems like the new devops definition is like as long as there's collaboration between groups you're doing devops right and so i i do feel like i feel you on that where it's been fluffified so uh okay and i kind of wonder like if we you know that was like a necessary evil to start at right because like if you look at like like i know he has like the rest of like the topologies and if we talk about like devops specifically designing a team like this you know if if it's something that happens naturally you're either already doing devops or you're in a bad spot right so it's something that has to be deliberately kind of like planned and decided on you might end up in a good spot but as soon as you start thinking on like hey how should we organize a team um you've already started thinking about how to organize a team there's kind of like no going back there so it's something that has to be very explicitly done and thought about um and it's not just something that like oh hey we did this thing and it worked if you designed a team you designed it for a reason so for me it's really interesting in that regard um and i think that might be why some of the you say like fluff exists because it doesn't necessarily make sense to just go like start prescribing something when everything else is or when everything's so like pre-planned when you talk about like team organization so yeah Definitely agree, though. It's it's not very prescriptive. Yeah, yeah. it didn't really hammer on the, the 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 parts, right? They were kind of the same amongst it, as much as as much as it, you know, I would have wanted it to. So, and, and I also feel like saying, yeah, you can do it a bunch of different ways, you know, and having these diagrams out there, I think it can kind of be misleading to those who haven't read the book, right? They see like, oh, I can have a DevOps team, and it can be over here and look like that, right? And not knowing the fundamentals, right, of of um, of the book, and so I went back. I was doing some, you know, rereading on it and um, just catching up. And one of the most highlighted quotes of the book, and I'm a Kindle reader, uh, that you know you, you don't see when you talk about these is every part of the software system needs to be owned by exactly one team. This means there should be no shared ownership of components, libraries, or code. And I. I think that really hits it, but that can also be taken out of context as well. Um, but I, I feel like that is, you know, a major, a major part of this. And and having that responsibility and clarity of the responsibility. And I, I always feel like that's, you know, that's where you start with DevOps. Um, and not having that uh that who does it, right? You can have your team kind of shaped however you want, or you know, you can call it SRE or whatever ops over here, but you know, for me, it really comes down to ownership, right, and responsibility, and that clarity, right, having it well documented, right, having SLAs between the team, right. This is this is what we're doing. This is you know what we're responsible for, right, and who's and who and also that hierarchy of that responsibility. You know, we we are entrusting you with this piece of it, right. We may own the whole thing, but we're entrusting this team with this aspect of it, right? And and really clarifying that and yeah. Yeah, I think you bring up something that when I researched for the show, Tom, it's just like and as I've kind of 
transitioned my career to more of a consulting role when I, I think organizations aren't thinking about topologies. Like I want to get Jordan's take. I want to get Kyle's take. Cause you guys yeah. have worked for mature companies. Like you went into Google and they kind of, you know, they probably had it sorted out. You went, you were at rocket, Kyle, you're at GitHub. Now they probably have a lot of these things sorted out. Like someone at a high level really thought about the topologies of these organizations and made it so when i look at the smaller businesses that i've worked with i mean it's like like yeah we're trying to help you with a technical project but like you guys might want to talk about like how your teams are organized because that's probably like the root of a lot of the challenges you're facing so i want to get your take like are you guys kyle is there like when you're at rocket when you're at github is it like is it like a devops you know utopia um, or, you know, is there, are they still like a lot of challenges with like how the teams are structured and things like that? And, and I want to hear your take from, yeah, yours, yours on this as well, Jordan. Sure. Um, so what I'll say at my time at a previous company, um, is that, uh, it definitely wasn't structured. Uh, it, it was structured in a way that like, I, I think that try to create the least amount of like strife to get something done um which doesn't necessarily mean it was a good experience um and it was also designed uh it was also shifted um very rapidly due to like i would say situations that like it was almost like a knee-jerk reaction so to give context my very first role at the previous company that you probably can guess what it is, um, uh, was a, a team that was literally all we did was like press the button to deploy something like you, nobody could deploy their own code of production. There was just literally one team whose responsibility was like to press that button. Right. And that team came out of a knee jerk reaction due to some outage that happened like right before I joined the company. Um, it reminds so, me of Lost. Did you ever see Lost, where like they had to push the button or the world ended? I don't know if you. Never mind. <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Um, so I think that like, you know, when I when I first started in my career, I didn't really think about team structure. I was like, well, I just did in June. I do things right. But being in like the anti-pattern sort of side of it, like you kind of realize, okay, well, like this is actually sort of important to some, you know, to some degree, like. And I feel like a lot of times a team structure can be reflective of like a cult, like an organization's culture maturity. Um, and a lot of times an unfortunate side effect is like, if there's a bad culture, team topology can sometimes be used in a negative way to try to solve that when it doesn't necessarily like it's, it doesn't, it's almost just like a stopgap, Um, and it right. doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Um, I would say GitHub's definitely a lot more mature. Not perfect, but it's definitely it definitely feels more mature. Um, and that previous company has changed since then. It's definitely a lot better now. Um, before I left, it was it was in a lot better spot. Um, and I, it, it's interesting too to see like how it's different between companies. Like you know, uh, each company operates differently, right? So like team topology changes to 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 some degree to fit how like a company either like needs to operate or like aspirationally wants to operate um yeah that's what that's what i got on this <laughs> yeah good stuff um 
great insight. I would like to hear uh, Jordan. What do you like with your experiences? What is what's it been like in the topologies at a mature organization? That definitely kind of like resonated with me, like seeing the differences. Like, so I went from Amazon or AWS to like Google, and they have vastly different, we'll call them topologies and in, in like team structure and like how they organize their teams and responsibilities. And both of them work really, really well. They obviously have pros and cons for both of them, but um, they're wildly different. So, you know, in, in the DevOps topologies, kind of like the list that they have there, they have one that's like uh, the Google SRE kind of like team model. Um, that's obviously Google's. We have SRE teams. We do have some like people that are just devs and they really only focus on um, developing new new software and then SRE kind of like runs that thing and then operations is a little bit different. Um, but at Amazon, it, it was almost like they didn't really have SRE people or operations people. It was really just like, if you build the thing, you own it. Um, so in that regard, an Amazon typical like software engineer probably has like a lot more infrastructure chops than like a typical Google software engineer, um, because it's like, hey, you want to launch your thing, you have to build the infrastructure for it. You got to spin up the database, like pick and choose what one you want to use. There are guidelines and things like that, but um, it, it really didn't operate on that similar platform model as like Google does, and both worked really, really well. Um, it was just really interesting to me to see how much different that they were and how each team like thought about it and things like that. And I do think that's kind of the um, back to what Tom was saying when, you know, we, we talk about like DevOps team topologies. I almost think the word DevOps makes a little bit of sense here because it's not really prescribing a, uh, like a DevOps team. It's just saying what the model looks like. So it's really like, hey, how can we have this philosophy of DevOps and actually organize our team around the philosophy? Um, so I, I feel the same way that like DevOps is really overused. You shouldn't have a DevOps team. But I think in this application, it, it does make a little bit of sense to use that nomenclature just because it's it's talking about how to organize teams around this philosophy. Do you have a, do you, do you think the, the Google model is the best model is the AWS the best model, or does it really depend on the organization? I, I think, it, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It depends on the organization. I think with Amazon's model, you have to be much more deliberate in kind of like who you're hiring and what sort of um, what sort of things that those people should be focusing yeah. on. Whereas, you know, if you take a typical organization that wants to like modernize their teams and their oper IT operations and things like that, I think that maps better to the Google SRE model or like platform engineering model um, where you still have a delineation between uh, software engineers and more like operations engineers and things like that. So I, I think that the Google model is better in that it maps onto most other enterprises. Um, but but I think the the Amazon model does work really well if you're starting early and you can really plan on things being kind of that way. Um, the real big downside is that you just have to make sure that you're hiring people that are extremely well-rounded. Um, but it tends to work really well. Teams really like it because they can own a product as opposed to, and you know, it's uh, soup to nuts as opposed to just, um, as opposed to just one piece of the product that they get more clear insight into the whole thing. What confused me on the on the Type Seven? It's real quick. I'll time I'll let you get in here, but I do want to just with Jordan. I look at the Type Seven diagram of the article we mentioned earlier in it for Google, it shows a circle indicating like 
is there, I, there's not like a DevOps role at Google, right? It's dev, your SRE, dev, or ops, right? You're not, there's not, so I think some of those those topologies did get a little confusing. So I'm like, well, does Google actually have DevOps people? No. And it, I, maybe they indicate that with the dotted line around DevOps, meaning it's not like a real team. It's more like a abstract idea. But anyways, don't want to go off on that tangent. Tom, no, what do you got? That's I think that's perfect though, because the, the green circle circles like who's doing the DevOps. <laughs> okay, so the DevOps is kind of like best. it's a joint effort between Dev and SRE is like doing the DevOpsy stuff. Got it. Exactly. So yep. my question is is what does that communication look like, right? Are there contracts between the devs and SREs, right? Do they have SLAs and like what does that ownership model look like from you know, product on down to, to you know, to, to dev SRE, you know, are there SLAs in between each of those teams? And yeah, what's the communication contracts or, you know, what, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a little bit of a combination of everything. So if I wanted to get, you know, some software into production um, within Google, I could just go build that thing and do it. Um, it, it, I could run it and I could own it and that, that's my thing. Um, if I want to have SRE support, I do need to follow like a contract. Um, this is typically things that you're going to do just within Google naturally because it's the path of least resistance. Using Bazel, using the model repo, using uh, containers, uh, making your thing for board. The, there is kind of a handoff between um, like a software engineer and like SRE teams at Google. Um, and, and that involves a pretty complicated process, a production readiness review, it's called, um, a little bit of like uh, non-abstract large scale system design. Um, and, and really just like, hey, do we think that you've put in and, and circled enough things that are gonna be important to us for the SRE team to be able to run with it? Um, and there is like an engagement aspect of that as well, where you can bring SRE in earlier as opposed to just like right before your production readiness review, right? Um, so it's a little bit of a interesting model. There is a, a kind of like concrete handover, uh, but that doesn't just mean that the, soft, the engineers, the software engineers are done. They still have an on-call rotation and things like that. Um, and that's part of kind of that contract is that, hey, you have to have some sort of on-call rotation for this. You have to have code owners and who's responsible for these lines of code and your build process and things like that. So it, it's a combination of process and um, tooling and, and, and contracting. Okay, and, and you guys have tooling to help with that? Because that was always kind of a, you know, something that struggled with, you know, smaller companies, like the, the tooling around having scheduling, you know, on-call for people to own it and, you know, d different aspects of who owns this code or who owns that and trying to coordinate it all and making sure somebody's available if you know a piece is is burning so yeah that's is it internal or is there a tool that you know or recommend or mostly internal yeah. stuff i'm yeah. sure there's there google's developer tooling is very very specific and niche not much github yeah. sorry yep um <laughs> but uh not much git in general right um so so mm -hmm. yeah it, it tends to be pretty um, internal to Google. There are efforts to kind of like move away. Um, we, I, I believe like the lead maintainer of Git works at Google now or has for a while. So hopefully something comes of that. That's my personal kind of wish there, but yeah, not, not much externally. Other than Interesting. philosophy and yeah. practices and things like that. Yeah, documentation or, you know, contracts that this, how does that look like at uh, GitHub or, you know, previous employments? Like how does that, communication responsibility, how's that laid out or? 
Sure. Um, so like a GitHub teams pretty much own their full like service or services. Um, there's like platforms that are provided and most of it's really self-service. Um, so, so when you, you say can... team, what, what is that? Is that like a, what do you call engineering teams, delivery teams, product teams? What does that look like? So it would be like a, uh, like a, a product team for like, let's say actions, for example, there's more than one team cause there's more than one component, but think of it as like an, like a, a, a product team for actions, for example. Right. So they have a lot of autonomy in terms of like, you know, uh, they can deploy to production basically whenever there's, um, and there's other supporting teams that kind of own sort of like the different like pieces of like the bigger platforms. So there's like a team that kind of owns like the Kubernetes platform that we have. There's teams that own like the observability stack that we have. So like um, a, a, a team consumes those and can work with them if they have any specific like issues. Um, so there's kind of just like a natural, based on that structure, it's kind of like a natural overlap of working together in some cases. Um, but there's a lot of like self-service at this point. So a lot of it you can kind of, a, a delivery team can kind of just do on their own. Um, and then they can partner with teams as needed, depending on like if they're looking to try to do something new or like if they're having issues, you know, et cetera. I did see a question in the chat uh, from Brandon. Brandon, if you want to speak up and talk about it a little bit, feel free. Uh, it was related to the platform team concept. Yeah, no, that was just something that I've kind of heard a lot of discussion around. I uh, definitely saw a lot of activity at KubeCon about different uh, groups trying to advocate for you know this idea of an IDP, you know, the internal developer platform. Um, and I, I think that you are going to see more and more companies embrace that uh, because just like there's no single you know programming language that has just taken over, I don't think there's going to be a single way of doing pipelines or deployments or environment structuring. And so because of all that variability there, um, I think for most places that aren't going to you know necessarily have a development team manage everything, from start to finish, um, you are going to want consistency around how those pipelines look. You're going to want to have it be easy. You know, you want developers to be able to have very little time to production for a new project, stuff like that. So that's where I think having a platform team allows you to have people that can really focus on how do you implement the best practices. You know, not necessarily, uh, you know, enforcing everything, but making at least that easy path of, oh, you want observability here, tie into this open telemetry module here, and you'll just get your stuff. Uh, you need this type of sign off, use this pipeline with these variables, and you'll have, you know, these notifications happen, stuff like that. Um, but, I, but I think another point that I was trying to make there, though, is if you're doing a platform team, much like, you know, having a, a DevOps team, if you're just throwing a word on something, but not taking it seriously, the most important thing, in my opinion, for a platform team is making sure that you are treating everybody else as customers and that you are very much customer first. Because um, I, I was in a role in the past, you know, a few, few jobs ago, where I was on a platform team and we were dictating to people, hey, you know, we've got this great pipeline. You should totally get on board. By the way, this is the way you have to do 
you know, application configuration. And it was so foreign to everybody. Everybody hated it. But mm-hmm. if there would have been that, you know, just a, a step back for a moment, consider your customers and what their needs are, what their goals are, it could have gone a completely different direction, would have been much easier, much better overall, and honestly, probably a lot less work. So I get, I have to ask the same question. How do you do the documentation? How do you, do you have like the, how do you bring that culture, right? That culture change? Like how, how did that happen? Where it was, you know, dictatorship versus, you know, treating them as a customer was, was there, you know, good documentation? Did you have support from the top down? Like how, how did that look? Cause I, I've struggled with that. Right. And yeah, for, for me, yeah. yeah. I'd like to hear. Yeah. It. Well, honestly, the problem in the beginning was the top down. There was a person in a key leadership role, you know, one of the C-level people who very, very uh, high ego thought that they could do everything better. Like lots of choices were made around that concept. Um, you know, like if, if HashiCorp was in the name of any technology, they, they didn't want to use it because, well, if they can do it, we can do it and we can do it better. So there was a lot of ego driving things. And so with that same mindset, it was, I'm going to design this configuration management system and it's going to be the best the world has ever seen. And you're just going to do it this way and you're going to love it. Um, And it ended up just being a lot of ego driven stuff that did not take other people into consideration at all. Uh, Though. And so during that time, I personally spent a lot of time just kind of trying to level the waves, you know, trying to help people and trying to make it easier for them to use the stuff that we were kind of being forced to use at the time, you know, trying to help through educating, um, you know, through adding additional tooling to allow things to be easier. Um, But in the end, the thing that really made the difference there was when uh, the people the the couple people who had those big egos trying to drive everything ended up leaving. Then all of a sudden you saw just this like sigh of relief from everybody. And all of a sudden it was, okay, let's do this the way that we want to do. And by that point in time, I think it was very easy to get the momentum because I'd already spent that time relationship building. You know, we all knew we were all on the same page. And so all of a sudden it was, okay, we can all now go in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was a, a good change there. And we had, and then we took that momentum capitalized on it. And until the time that I left, I did want to, yeah, I think the platform team is kind of a, a, a buzz, you know, a new buzz team, right? Like I think, Oh, DevOps isn't working. So let's create a platform team. I think people think of it as a quick way to slap a, centralize something it's like oh we don't have enough devops people to put on every delivery team so let's just create a platform team and um i think what it's important is if you're going to establish a platform team is like you should have some sense of a of what the platform is like right like what is it like i mean i guess you can start from ground zero but like and you want to be customer centric um but you can't realistically build a custom hot rod for every delivery team so there has to be some consistency and, um, you know, I think that's when we get into like, what's the difference between an enablement team versus a platform team, whereas an enablement team might be a better way to start. And then once you kind of fleshed out what you want to do, 
uh, across the org. Maybe that transitions into a platform team. But I'm I'm always leery of kind of going centralized, uh, especially in a small org, because um, I think you you just kind of you you start creating those silos, and then it becomes you know canon for the org. This is the way we do it, and then the change becomes exponentially harder to make. Um, and you know, Brandon, you just gave gave a great example of how you know good how, you know good intentions were probably in mind all throughout that but just it all it takes is one you know one ego driven uh executive to kind of you know really cause pain throughout the whole org so really interesting concepts though about platform team versus devops team versus embedded versus build versus buy um that's a whole nother show right there which yeah is a show on build the, versus, the, uh, the names <laughs> really matter right With, yeah you know, the devops the serverless I, like calling it an enablement team right that's you know, if, if that's what you're doing, right, yeah, that's, it's best to portray that, right, across the organization and, and helping that culture of we're just enabling, right, not this is the platform, you have to do it, right, which I think it can come with that connotation, so. Sorry, go ahead. I think if you're giving teams responsibility, you're also empowering them to say no, and I think that's, like, the most crucial part about building a platform team, is that, like, if you're forcing everyone to use it, you're not building a platform. You're building kind of, like, the infrastructure that everyone has to use. You're the infrastructure team. Um, I think that's the, the the kind of the linchpin or the keystone of, 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 of a platform team, right? Teams have to be able to say no. Um, if you're going to give them responsibility, I think that's the biggest the, the biggest thing that you the biggest kind of, like, veto card that you're giving them, or the biggest, most powerful tool, the, the ability to say no. Um, and I think that has a natural kind of uh, effect on making your platform teams more customer focused. Yeah, agreed. Um, this made me think of like an anecdote that I have, like, and I think it kind of goes into like, it, it involves a platform team, but it also kind of involves sort of like where there's like ambiguity on responsibility um, between teams. So, uh, before I had left uh, Rockets, um, there had been a platform team, like kind of, sort of created to to work on their Kubernetes platform. And like, I honestly love working with the team. Really smart guys, um, or really smart people. Um, and they were really like customer focused. They were like trying to understand what like everybody else was like, what the problems were with like the current state, and like trying to, you know, understand and make things better. Um, but the problem was there was a bit of shit like they were kind of also looking at like the deployment side of things when there was already another team that owned a deployment platform and in its life and in in like features etc so there was like this this ambiguity on ownership of of deployment and it caused a lot of rift because there was really two separate ways to do everything so you had a split of some Groups using one way, some groups using another way, and then when the other way would add a new feature, the the the, the first way people would want that same feature when it might have not made sense it, for them for whatever reason. So it, it created this like sort of rift where like there was never an ideal solution for anything. And I think it for me illustrated the importance of having like clear sort of like boundaries of responsibility of like hey like we're going to own this sort of like feature, let's say deployments, right? So like there's a consistent experience, um, consistent sort of like life cycle, consistent like product updates, et cetera. Um, we don't have this like sort of like fragmented uh, sort of like experience and it just makes 
it makes it hard for everybody. Sure. It's not, that's the other thing too in, in the book, right? It says that the ownership of, of code components, things like that. It's really, I, more importantly, the ownership of the customer value and that segment, right? Whether external or internal and really defining that. This is the value that we bring to our customers and, you know, having contract SLA, whatever, right? Getting rid of that ambiguity. I think that's that's the biggest thing to me, yeah. How do companies, big companies like AWS, uh, Microsoft, GitHub, how do they know when to evolve their topology? Are they are they so mature that they're set in their ways? Or does like does a place like Google once a year like sit down and have like a you know personal reflection time and think about how we can evolve? Or are we always evolving the process as just part of agile and thinking about how topology how topologies could change? That's a really good question. I, I definitely think like you know, if you looked at like Google, Amazon, probably Microsoft, or like any of these like big companies, it's much harder change like organizations as opposed to the certain processes that make up how we think about that sort of thing. Um, I, I would love to say like, oh yeah, both like Google and Amazon like are constantly like evaluating. Um, and I do think that they evaluate like individual processes, but I think once a company adopts a philosophy, it really takes a huge amount, especially like more established companies, it takes a huge amount of like thought leadership in order to like either course correct or, or just change courses and things like that. Um, a great example of this maybe is actually like kind of Microsoft. They went from, you know, the kind of the way of like IBM or Oracle, they were becoming this old, like stodgy, like tech company. Um, but, you know, the new CEO came in and it was just the amount of like course correcting that I think they did there. I don't know how that reflects internally, but um, I think it, it's really, really hard to steer these big companies like that. And while they do evaluate individual processes, I definitely don't think that, you know, Google's reevaluating SRE on a yearly basis. It's like a, a concept or a philosophy or an implementation of, of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say as like more stakeholders get involved, it's harder and harder to make those large course corrections. Um, I would say so far, like my experience at GitHub is like there's been individual small changes. Like if they find in a certain subsect, there's a need to make shift things a bit that can be done. But like looking at a bigger picture, so far I have not seen anything like that. Um, but I will say is that Rocket, there was a lot more often change in topology um, as things evolve because things evolve very rapidly when like the mortgage industry was like really hot um, yeah so there was a lot of rapid change based on like the number of people being employed like the requirements of the systems and like where those boundaries were so there was often like topology change to shift so that like things that were related were closer together so there was more collaboration um, you know, uh, moving things as needed to, to, to help grow the business more rapidly um, so that the right people work closer together. Right, yeah. Really interesting stuff. I could talk about it all day, I think. Um, yeah. I well, will be talking about it. A slight, slight plug uh, coming up. I don't know the date. January 18th. January 18th. I will be talking about DevOps and, and my, my takes on it, and then also AWS implementation and how it can uh, 
hurt, you know, hinder or help your uh, your DevOps journey. So join us then. I think here we're gonna have it in this Discord. It'll be aired right in the Discord. It's gonna be live, but you can join yeah. in the Discord and uh, live streamed on GL gltl.tv and yes. also right here on our Discord. So yeah, feel free to come and watch watch Tom Kowalski present at the Michigan AWS Meetup Group. So on Tom, that note, I want. Go ahead. I was going to say, Tom, will you wish me a happy birthday if I go? Sure. <laughs> My birthday's Shout the <laughs> Yes. Well, we'll celebrate. Nice. Make All everyone right, sing good. happy birthday to him. That'll be super embarrassing <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> uh, I want to give a thanks to uh, Jordan, to Kyle, uh, my co-host Tom. Um, Thank you. Audience participation. Thank you, Brennan, for giving some great insights. Um, another great episode today. Happy, uh, excited to see our next talk with our SRE crew. Um, not sure when we're, we don't have one planned, but we'll we'll get it out there. And um, yeah, that's it for today. Thanks, everyone. Have a